You're listening to the Canaan Bound Podcast, Episode 12. I'm Tom Barthel, currently serving as a pastor at Christ Lutheran Church, a Wells congregation in Baxter, Minnesota. To start off with, we'll have a short devotion by Pastor Aaron Nitz. Our Bible passage for our meditation today is from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 29. As he, this is Jesus, was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. What is it that bugs you today? What news have you heard that was discouraging, disheartening, or frustrating? The disciples were about to face a test of their faith. They were about to watch their Lord be arrested, mocked, beaten, and crucified. They were about to be tempted to fight back, to flee in fear, and to fasten themselves behind doors. But need they? What did they see on this Mount of Transfiguration? They saw Jesus in his glory. This moment was to drive doubt far from their hearts. Jesus is the very Son of God. Jesus is God himself. If Jesus is God, and he is, then no matter what he does or allows to be done to him must work out for the good, must work out for his purposes no matter what. And it did. What bugs you today? Remember Jesus' glory on that mountain. He is God himself. He chose to go down that mountain to the cross in order to save you from your sins. If he did that for you, and he did, then will he not be with you today, watch over you, work things out for your good, and finally take you to heaven? Absolutely. I'm sure thankful for such a glorious Savior like that, and so are you. Blessings on your day. I'm sure Abram felt pretty good about himself now. He had come up with a plan to keep himself safe and secure. And he found it out that it went pretty well. Only problem? It undermined God's plan. And it was all built on lies. We read from Genesis chapter 12, verses 14 through 16. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants, maid servants, and camels. He's in Egypt because he made a choice to go where there's enough food and water during a time of famine. Nothing wrong with that. But it seems like when he left Canaan, he left his faith behind too. Just as Abram guessed, his wife was taken in by the Egyptians and brought to Pharaoh. And just as Abram had figured, he was not harmed, but treated well for her sake. He was given sheep, cattle, donkeys, men servants, maid servants, camels. So many things. He grew quite rich, but it was built off of lies. Well, a half-truth, as Abram later will try to argue. Sarah was technically able to be called his half-sister. But does reasoning out our lies make them any less wrong? Bottom line was that he was deceiving the Pharaoh, and he was getting rich off of it. But that wasn't the bottom of the hole Abraham was digging. As we mentioned, his attitude was changing. He already was putting on his own selfish interest above that of the concerns of his own wife. He was already putting God's promise at the wayside by sending his wife away, even if it was only a temporary measure. He was already using his own wisdom rather than God's will as the guide for his life. What about all the good stuff he was getting? 
Wasn't this a success story? Not from a godly viewpoint. Worldly success means nothing when it comes to spiritual health and God's kingdom. In fact, his worldly success came at the expense of his spiritual health. Meanwhile, he was asking his wife to lie as she was going along with it. What happened to we must fear God more than any other? Sarai, too, takes the path of least resistance here instead of standing up for the Lord. Do you ever try to reason out why you need to stray from God's will? It saves us money. It makes for less of a fuss. It avoids controversy. It keeps me safe and secure. All sound well in the business world. But should falsehood ever come from the lips of God's people? We know where our blessing comes from. And it is not by living high off of lies. Abram didn't need his lies for success. Not only had God promised to bless him as he appeared to him in person, God promised to continue to bless him. And so he has done for us in Jesus. We have the promise, not only of his protection and his love, but his everlasting care. There's no need for us to live high off of lies. We have his promised rest. The following song, Lead My Way, is by Tracy Fedke. Into a new day, oh Lord, 
Continue our look at the book of Job with God's Word for You by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 3, verses 1 through 10. Job speaks. Chapter 3 presents Job's complaint. It's divided into three sections or strophes. In the first one, verses 1 to 10, Job wishes that that his birth had never happened. In the second one, verses 11 to 19, he asks why he didn't die. And in the final section, verses 20 to the end, he asks why anyone who suffers must live at all. This is the closest Job comes to cursing God, but he never quite does. These sections illustrate a pattern that appears to be somewhat consistent with some variation throughout the poetic part of Job. There will often be first a statement, then a supporting counter-question, and finally a new statement or question that flows out of the first two parts. I call this strophe, antistrophe, and epody after the structure of a Greek ode, but Job isn't an ode. Perhaps the Greek odes followed the pattern of Job's speeches. Let's read the first couple of verses. After this, Job, do- Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, May the day of my birth perish, and the night it was said, A boy is born. That day may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine upon it. The title God above uses an unusual name for God, Eloah, which is rare in the Bible but very common in Job. It occurs 41 times in Job and only eight other places in the Bible. This complete term, God above, Eloah uh, Mima'al, occurs one other time in Job 31 verse 2 where it's the equivalent of the Almighty on high. Verse 5, may darkness and deep shadow claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it. Remember, we're talking about Job's birthday. May blackness overwhelm its light. Job's curse takes us back to the days of creation. Just as God made each day of the week of creation, carefully shaping the earth on each and every day, filling it with his light and his will and his blessings, Job now curses the day of his own birth and wishes that the chaos of the unformed world would somehow repossess his birthday. No light, just darkness and deep shadow. The term deep shadow, it's the same word David uses in the 23rd Psalm, where that word, salmavet, is usually translated the shadow of death. Verses 6 to 8. That night, may thick darkness seize it, May it not be included among the days of the year, nor it be entered into any of the months. May that night be barren. May no shout of joy be heard in it. 
May those who curse days curse that day, those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. Job's curse now veers toward magic, but it never goes beyond a curse. He never actually invokes magic himself. In order to undo his conception and birth, he wishes that his day of birth would never have been put into the calendar at all. He calls upon those who really did attempt this kind of magic, those who curse days, he says. Such men were also ready to rouse Leviathan. Although the word Leviathan only occurs six times in the Bible, an entire chapter of Job, chapter 41, is given by God as a description of this massive sea creature. We'll discuss the creature more in that chapter, along with the different suggestions people have had over the years to explain it, like crocodile and whale and sea monster. Job wants powerful men like magi or wizards to help him in his curse, but none of them are present. Centuries later, the king of Moab would summon Balaam, uh, the king uh, Balaam of Pithor, to curse Israel, but there was no Balaam around to provide expert curses for Job. Verses 9 and 10, still about his birthday. May its morning stars become dark. May it wait for daylight in vain and see and not see the first rays of dawn. For it did not shut the doors of the womb on me to hide trouble from my eyes. Job has cursed the day of his birth. And now by wishing that the doors of the womb had been closed, Job elliptically wishes that he had never been conceived at all. The womb is, of course, his mother's body. Verse 9 draws an often unnoticed picture of the Hebrew way of looking at the dawn. How beautiful these words would be if only they were not couched within a curse. The morning stars slowly fade. As the dark of night fades into the blue twilight, the daylight is the sun rising itself, which is heralded briefly by its first rays. This phrase is really a vivid picture, literally the eyelids of the dawn, as if the eye of the sun lifts its lid over the eastern hills. How often does an enemy sneer with the words, you'll wish you'd never been born? How often does the devil himself hope that we will fall into such cursing and wishing? But instead of wishing that trouble would never come, we pray with confidence that God will protect us, even in the day of trouble, that he would be with us, even in the valley of the shadow of death. With God on our side, we will fear no evil. Whatever troubles come into this lifetime, we have a home with God forever in heaven. Um, just a couple of other notes. The prophet Jeremiah also cursed the day of his birth in Jeremiah 20 with many of the same thoughts. Like the other prophets, and especially Isaiah, Jeremiah knew the book of Job as we know it, or quoted or paraphrased its words many, many times. Luther said this, Samson, David, and many other celebrated men who were full of the Holy Spirit fell into huge sins. Job and Jeremiah cursed the day of their birth. Elijah and Jonah are tired of life and pray for death. Such errors and sins of the saints are set forth in the Bible in order that those who are troubled and desperate may find comfort that those who are proud may be afraid. No man has ever fallen so grievously that he could not have stood up again. Uh, just one more brief thing about the dawn. Although some Canaanite cultures worshipped the dawn, they called it Shahar as a goddess, and that word is used here in verse 9 for dawn, we don't have to imagine that Job trusted any god except the true god. Shahar in Hebrew is simply the usual word for dawn, and we find it in the mouths of David in the title of Psalm 22, and Jonah 4.7 in Isaiah 8.20, Amos 4.13, and 
God himself uses it in Job 41, verse 10. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you. We'll close this episode with a song by Chris Dreisbach, Who Was This Man? Prophets said he'd walk this dusty land With no place to lay his head Born in a stable to a virgin girl Though he was the Christ And he was the living bread Who was this man? The world did not understand He was hated Without cause Well he came to save the lost By keeping all God's law And by his death upon a cross The blind could see He brought the dead to life He healed the sick The deaf could hear again But they did not see their souls He walked on water Like it was The driest land He always said He'd die and rise again He spoke clearly But they did not hear His friends went to sleep While he prayed In the garden In sadness on the ground with blood and tears Who was this man? The world did not understand He was hated without cause He came to save the lost By keeping all God's law And by his death upon a cross A traitor turned and sold him like a slave seats in Jerusalem He was whipped and nailed to the tree They mocked and taunted their Savior from their hearts of sin In three days on Easter he was raised A guarantee of heaven for me I'm just a sinner Who could only die But his precious blood has Washed me and set me free Now we understand He is is the Son of Man Our salvation Our salvation is complete He has saved the lost By dying on the cross You've been listening to episode 12 of Canaan Bound Podcast, first shared on March 2013. For this episode, we'd like to once again thank Tracy Fedke 
for her song Lead My Way from her album Child at Home. Find more information at tracyfedke.com. And also we'd like to thank Chris Dreisbach for sharing his song Who Was This Man from his album Jesus Is The Man. You can find more information at chrisdreisbach.com. Once again, my name is Tom Barthel. I was glad to be your host for this episode. Visit com for more information or search for our Facebook page. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location near you. Visit wells.net. Thanks for listening.